Happy Wednesday! You are listening to the Andy Zanka Youth Empowerment Program on KDNK Community Radio. This is My Own Two Hands, a monthly collaboration between AZYEP and Colorado Mountain College's Bachelor of Sustainability Studies program. On the show, we talk with current students, alumni, professors, and experts in the field of sustainability. We tackle big issues revolving around climate, resilience, and sustainability while focusing on community-based solutions. Last month, we spoke with two students about the state of water in the West. I am so excited about today's show because we are going to be talking about something that I am personally very passionate about, food. I spoke with two current CMC students, Sheehan Marr and Ava Gilbert, about local food systems, farming, and community resilience. First, let's hear from Sheehan, a CMC student, local foodie, and forager. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on KDNK with you, Adele. Anytime. It's always a pleasure to be here <laughs> with you. So today we are talking about local food and local food systems. Food is something that people all over the world have in common. That's what one of the things that I love about it. We can use food to express love, to tell stories, to nourish our bodies, or just to share something delicious. So I'm curious, what value does food hold for you, and why is it important? As somebody who grew up living what's called the Standard American Diet, or SAD is the acronym that goes around a lot these days. You know, my mom was a single single mom and raised two boys. And so it was often $20 on the counter and you and your brother fend for yourself. And so we made horrible decisions living in Denver, you know, like eating McDonald's and Taco Bell and all this stuff. And it wasn't until my 20s I had an issue with uh, a health scare uh, with pancreatitis. And that was kind of like my awakening to, oh, what we put in our bodies is becomes a part of us and stuff. And um, I got into traditional Chinese medicine then and nutrition, and then eventually herbalism, and ultimately, you know, um, food is medicine. And so I try to support a lot of the local amazing farmers that we have that are doing some really good things here in the Valley to try to avoid having to pay those healthcare costs down the road. Uh, it's integral. So that's the short answer, I guess. <laughs> Can you speak a little bit more to how you got involved in the local food movement with foraging and all the things you just talked about. So originally I grew up on the front range side of things and I was a big outdoors person. And so looking around and realizing like, wow, the Native Americans that lived here, like this was their grocery store, this was their pharmacy, this was, you know, how they built their homes. And yet there's virtually no trace of what they did, you know, compared to the society that we live in today. And so that kind of led me to going more into indigenous and local plants and native plants and um, their uses. And yeah, as it turns out, if you incorporate a lot of these in your diet, you don't get sick. And I used to get the flu every year and have sinuses. And when I changed my diet and exercising, it was crazy. All that stuff went away. I was like, oh my God, I've been on these pharmaceuticals my whole life and now I'm not on them anymore. So um, I've just been listening to my body and my body seems to be liking it. When I moved out here, I was uh, very into like the farmer's markets right away. And it's cool that we have, you know, Glenwood has theirs one day, Carbondale has theirs on Wednesday, Basalt has theirs on Sunday. So if you're working one day, you know, you can try to get it another day because they'll be somewhere else. Yeah. So 
you just started to touch on this, but I bet for a lot of people listening, one of the first things they think of when they hear the word food is going to the grocery store or eating out at a restaurant. I know you have a great depth of knowledge about food sources. So would you mind sharing some other ways that we can nourish ourselves, like growing our own food or gathering wild foods? I'd love to focus on things that are low cost and accessible to anyone in our oh, community. Well, yeah. I mean, one of my, I haven't taught this class in a while, but I love teaching like edible weeds that we consider weeds that grow prolifically. They're often invasive species. So you know, um, you're kind of doing a one-two punch and you're helping support the native plant population, but you're also giving your body something that it needs. So like dandelions and nettles. Well, nettles isn't uh, invasive, but yeah, I mean, that's a huge thing is that if we could break ourselves from having to be dependent on a system to feed us when we can just go, we look like in so much abundant food. And so I love taking people out and getting them to realize that, wow, I didn't realize there's, there's more things out here that can feed you and nourish you than can kill you, you know? Absolutely. Um, and yeah, and it just start for me, it started with just one plant and you're like, whoa, that plant looks really cool. And take a few pictures, look it up and then be like, oh, I need this in my, in my body. And that's kind of how I've grown, uh, instead of just this really big, vast knowledge I've kind of like focused on certain plants that I feel called to and then working deeply with that and developing a relationship with those plants and then usually that involves me taking some seeds from the wild and putting that in my garden and That's stuff um, and then cultivating that relationship even further with those raspberries that you know yeah. yeah so I moved here from Los Angeles when I was nine and immediately I was so excited to you know, romp around our wild places. And I was just so amazed that during the spring, you could find wild asparagus. And I thought that was amazing. And so every year after that, it became a tradition for my dad and I to go and gather asparagus. And that's something that we've done ever since. And it's just such a magical experience. Oh, I totally agree. Oh, and asparagus is such an amazing one too. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And even uh, now, like there's certain trails out here that are really prolific with like thimbleberries is one of my favorites when I moved out here. I didn't know what they were. And I was like, oh my God, what are these? They're like raspberries, but not thorny. And they're super yummy. And now like certain trails like Capitol Creek or whatever, I'll just, before they're in uh, fruiting, I'll just like bring my water bottle and just give them water along the way and just try to develop this reciprocity yeah. and being like, well, I want to nourish you because you're going to nourish me in the fall, you know, with some berries. I'm going to make you into medicine. So, yeah. that's It's all so special. Immediately, though, what I can't wait for is in the spring when all the the plants start coming back and I get like always pigeonholed into friends barbecues because I'll make salads with just whatever's growing with flowers or whatever. And people love it. And then I'm like, yeah, well you were eating, you know, some plantain and some chicken, like all these just random plants. And they're like, what? And they love it. And oh, their bodies. So, feel- so for me, I guess that would be the thing I'm most looking forward to right now, at least. Awesome. So, so I want to get, just a little more serious. As we know, our climate is changing in unprecedented ways. And meanwhile, our global population just continues to grow. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges for feeding our growing population under changing climate conditions? Well, one would be that the climate conditions that we've depended on to grow our food for so long are changing dramatically. And so we don't know what the new normal is going to be. I think that's going to be the hardest thing. Um, with friends and farmers, you know, on the other side of the Thompson in Paonia, 
They a lot of them don't know when their irrigation is going to run dry. It varies every year, so that's something that's definitely scary to think about. Especially as we also look at looking at dams and reservoirs not really being the right answer either. You know, like what is what is the new normal? And and every year I feel like the plants. As somebody who harvests stuff, like every year is vastly different too. Like last year was an amazing year for mushrooms after we had those monsoon rains. And then it just kind of dried up, you know, for a while. So I don't know. I think it just is us uh, getting in touch with our local watershed and our food sheds because that's the best way that we're going to adapt is if we're connected to it versus expecting all of our food to come from a truck from California or somewhere else. Um, And that's why I love – People like Seed Peace and so many people out here, like Casey and them, are doing things to help bring more resiliency to the Roaring Fork Valley and grow more food. And and that's part of the reason why I'm out here, you know. And, um, it, yeah, like I said, we live in paradise. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the other things that I think is really unique about our valley that you don't see anywhere is now we're starting to see mushroom CSAs, you know. Um, and I think that's really rad. So I jumped on the opportunity to become part of Toadstool Traditions, I think is the brand. And they do local gourmet, like bougie mushrooms, but for a pretty affordable price, you know, compared to what you'd find. And it's local. Um, so every week I get about a pound of lion's mane mushrooms and oysters. And recently I think he threw in some like chestnut stuff. And in it, they always include info about how to cook it or new research showing that lion's mane is really great for like regenerating neuroplasticity in your brain and good for like Alzheimer's and um, stuff like that. So um, it's been really fun to learn, you know, we're used to vegetables, but now it's like, oh, mushrooms are amazing too, especially if you're wanting to lean off meat or at least get off of some of that, you know, industrial ag. This is a great way to get protein and other things in your diet. And That's it's local. so amazing. Yeah. What is the best thing you've made so far with your mushrooms? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, I'm a pro right now at like um, lion's made fried rice and just throwing Ooh. over whatever vegetables are about to go and just chopping them up and then cooking them. Nice. Um, and then they actually gave a great recipe for pho crab cakes with lion's mane Ooh. and they were exquisite. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, that's amazing. Pretty, that sounds yeah. so good. Yeah. I, I need to jump on that myself. It just sounds so good. <laughs> yes, highly recommend. Yeah. Cool. What else gives you hope regarding food in our community? That's a great question. The fact that so many people are connecting to it, whether it's friends now that have kids with allergies that have made them realize like, oh, what's going on, you know, with these autoimmune issues. And then also when I do do um, plant walks or encounter people on the trails and I'm like nibbling on stuff, I'll get them involved, you know, because I feel like if they're, if we're not connected to our areas, then we're not going to fight to protect them and develop that relationship with it. So the hope is seeing people out here that want, that are passionate and wanting to learn those skills. So. Absolutely. For any kids that are listening, do you have any advice for how they can become a part of our local food systems? Yes. Encourage your parents to take you out and ask any questions you have about any plants out there. There's so much out here. And I think uh, just being curious and wonder is the first step because that's how I was. I'm just a big kid still to this day. So this is My Own Two Hands, a show about the CMC sustainability connection. All Um, right. I know you have taken a lot of classes at CMC and I know that you're now teaching 
about some of the topics that we're touching on today. So can you share a little bit about the classes that you've taught in the past? Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite things, uh, and it's part of my agreement, I say, to Mount Soperus that helped bring me out here, is um, connecting people to nature uh, and to these plants that sustain us. And, um, and so, yeah, my classes are medicinal and edible plant ID walks and classifications and um, learning how to use plants uh, to prepare them for yourself. So if you are, you know, do identify with like OSHA or dandelion or rose, rose hips, um, how to ID it correctly and then how to make it into medicine to nourish yourself or a family member or whatever, you know, um, because we are allowed as public citizens in these wild spaces. People don't, a lot of people don't know we're allowed to take an um, up to an ounce of wild harvested stuff. So if you went out there with a jar and harvested some berries, that's totally okay. Um, do it if you feel called, if a plant's calling you. <laughs> that's so amazing that you're sharing that work with the community. Um, before we wrap up the interview, is there anything else you'd like to share? I just want to thank you, Adele, for the time and Katie and Kay uh, for all the amazing work you guys do here in the community uh, to bring these you know, concerns up to the community and to share these voices that may not be heard. So Thanks again for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to My Own Two Hands, a production of the Andy Zanka Youth Empowerment Program on KDNK Community Radio. I'm your host, Adele Kraft. We have been speaking with local foodie and forager Sheehan Marr about local food systems, resiliency, and wild foods. Now I'm very excited to welcome Ava Gilbert, a local farmer. We will be talking more about challenges and hope for growing food in the Roaring Fork Valley, as well as the life of a farmer. Thanks for listening. Ava, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell us about your CMC journey and your relationship with farming in the Roaring Fork Valley? Sure. So I've been in the valley since the fall of 2019. I started up on Spring Valley campus at CMC. And I've been kind of living a few different places mid-valley since then. And through a friend or a classmate of a classmate kind of situation, I learned about the Farm Collaborative up in Aspen. And the first summer I stayed here, so summer of 2020, is when I started there as an intern. And then the next year, I participated in their farmer incubator program that they have newly established and um, also worked there part-time and participated at the Basalt Farmers Market during 2021. And now I'll be moving down Valley for farming at Highwater. That's amazing. What did you learn from your time at the Farm Collaborative? Um, I think there's room to find the intersections between different styles of farming. Because at first it was kind of stuck in this mindset of like perfect permaculture or like <laughs> finding the definition of like what farming we were doing. And I think that you can incorporate different ideas. And as long as you are being regenerative, participating in the local community and trying to uphold your values that you're striving for in farming, that it's kind of hard to go wrong and that that can guide you and help motivate you throughout the season. I love that. I know you just started taking classes in the sustainability program at CMC. So far, do you feel like the program is preparing you for your farming career? It's interesting. Yes, in some ways preparing, but in other ways just kind of paralleling in a cool aspect of like 
I'm able to apply concepts from farming to school and school to farming. And I think the most exciting part for me in the sustainability realm of farming is like the full circle aspect of it, which is what I've loved from the beginning that you're using, you're like reusing all the materials you can and composting and then like growing it in the best way you can. And then you have the social responsibility part of, you know, providing for people and participating in certain like food bank initiatives. And then you're jarring and like doing sustainable preservation practices and then distributing as well as you can at local markets. So I just really like how it it's just really full circle. And I really like being a part of the entire process. I love your passion. Um, if you could pick one thing that's your favorite about being a farmer, what would it be? I think definitely just being outside. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to say <laughs> one of the more sustainable things, but I mean, I love the impact of farming, but for me, like the actual work part of it, um, being outside is is a huge perk and is obviously just really special to be able to do that kind of work in that environment all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get a little bit more serious. What do you see as the biggest challenges for farming in the Roaring Fork Valley in the face of a changing climate? In the face of a changing climate, that could go hand in hand. I think one of the biggest roadblocks for farming in this area is land, definitely. And as far as the climate goes, water is a big one, too. Um, As we know, like the snowpack is getting, you know, smaller and smaller each winter. And so that's a constant that's constantly on farmers' minds around here, but also ac- accessing the land and water, too, is just, like, really difficult to establish here. And I know different farms have gone about it different ways, whether it be, um, like, on a land preservation um, agreement situation or, yeah, like, open space is very common. But it, that's, that's, I mean, and in general in America is, is proving to be one of the most difficult aspects is getting the access to the water, water rights around here, and then land, especially for new generations of farmers. I mean, because that's the most expensive part. (laughs) That's the thing blocking most people. So what do we do? I know that's huge, but (laughs) do you have any solutions or ideas or ways the community can help support farmers? Uh, Ways the community can support farmers? In terms of land, I honestly think it's really cool when people who have large amounts of land are able to use some of that to let farmers practice or let farmers um, grow on parts of their land. That's actually something I've seen in a couple of situations. And um, there can be some really beautiful like community relationships from that. And I think that that is just a super practical way that people with land can use their land. Yeah, what you said about community partnerships, community relationships is really important and something we should strive for more. Right, it doesn't always have to be, I mean, policy and regulation on like open spaces and stuff can be really long processes and can be really difficult, but um, I think there's a lot of space for just, yeah, that community kind of partnership that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. I know you said you just accepted a job with Highwater Farm and Silk. Congratulations. Thank you. What are you most looking forward to at your new job? And can you tell us a little bit about your job description? Sure. So I've accepted a position there as their um, 
lead for their youth program, which is an internship for um, rifle area high schoolers to do like an own their own paid internship. They plan and grow their own, and they also sell it at markets. And so I'll be helping build out that program, and we're also looking for different ways to collaborate with other organizations there and also let them have an experience of being able to like teach their fellow classmates and um, take some of their their summer work into their school season too and, and just kind of continue that inspiration of farming and throughout their school career. So um, that's really exciting. And I think this will be a, a newer position for me. I can say that I'll be excited to work with high school students and also just in the rifle area because I haven't had the chance to explore that area very much or learn about that community there. And they're still part of the Roaring Fork Valley community. And I'm just really excited to be able to see that side of things. And then, um, yeah, just work with high school students is something I've never done before. And I think I'm really just really inspired by that age group and their motivation to participate in something like this. I think it's so amazing that High Water has this program for high schoolers. I wish that was something that I could have been a part of when I was in high school. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I thought about that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are some low cost ways that people can incorporate sustainability into their food choices and help support local farmers? That's a great question. I think a lot of people around the area are pretty aware of CSAs, Community Supported Agriculture, and that's where you purchase like a supply of vegetables throughout the season and you make those payments either a couple times throughout the season or up front to help farmers cover early season costs and then they supply you with what they can and it's always in season and local and um, since it's curated by the farmer, it's really one of the most supportive, sustainable things you can do. And also just visit farmer markets whenever you can. And these options may not be the cheapest, but um, I think talking to your local farmers at the very least and seeing how you can get involved. I know a lot of farms around here have volunteer opportunities. And learning about it is a really great start. And then, you know, that can form into other cheaper options for households and individuals to grow their own and learn their own preservation techniques for food and um, learn how to store their food so it lasts longer basically and yeah see how much they can grow for themselves because that's one of the most sustainable cheap things you can do for yourself and is really exciting it's it's a really I mean even if you just start with an herb box it's yeah it's amazing what you can do with even a small amount of space like your kitchen window or if you have a little patio or a deck if you're just living in an apartment right you can start to grow some of your own food and that makes a really big impact and that is pretty low cost and accessible i love the idea of supporting farmers through csas and of growing your own food are there any other low cost options that you can think of for people to have more sustainable swaps absolutely um another really low cost and attainable option is to consider changing up your ingredients and your meal options. For instance, really paying attention to in-season produce and local produce can make a really big difference. And also just trying to incorporate more fresh produce into your meals and your diet 
you know, it might be surprising as to how much further your money can go with produce and vegetables and um, being incorporated into your diet than meat and dairy products. And there's a lot less packaging involved often and a lot less environmental impacts. And that can also just be a really great way to save money. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, even if you aren't comfortable with the idea of going vegan or vegetarian, you can play around with the ratios on your plate. And instead of having two thirds of your plate meat and a third veggies, you can try the other way around or try something like Meatless Monday. Um, Because like you said, it is really amazing how far your dollar goes with produce. Um, So I love that idea of incorporating more fresh in-season produce into your diet. When you ask kids what they want to do when they grow up, you hear a lot of, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a doctor, an astronaut, a dancer, but not a lot of kids say they want to be farmers, or at least that's been my experience. Do we need an upcoming generation of farmers, and what would you tell kids to get them interested in farming? That's a really great question, and I don't know. For me, it started, like as a kid, started as the love of gardening. And I think there's a lot of room for that Um, family gardening and um, just showing, you know, the joy of growing plants from a young age and giving like that hands-on experience whenever you can for kids. And I think, you know, the community solutions are always the most attainable. And (laughs) just having community gardens and coming together to grow food. I think is a like one of the biggest things because if you see that as a kid, you understand the joy in it and, and you know, might want to do that when you grow up. And I think it just it, it goes into so many different other realms of education for children too. And I think um it goes back to that full circle aspect for me where you can teach them to be connected to the land that way too. And then also like how it incorporates into food and how they can cook it and how that can also be a fun aspect of it. And like the harvesting obviously is the most fun part. (laughs) And um, and then getting to cook with it. And I think there's just like so much opportunity in hands-on experience gardening for kids. I almost feel like like every school, like (laughs) every grade school should have like a, a gardening box or, you know, a plot. And I just, I think there's so much room to incorporate that in the overall education. I can say Um, having been from Minnesota, that that is like not an experience I find in many other places. So um, it's really cool to see around here. So for the kids that do know they want to be farmers, (laughs) do you have any advice for them for how to get started? That's a great question. Yeah. And I think try not to be shy, I guess, at farmers markets or (laughs) events that you have the chance to connect with local farmers. I think that's like a really good place to start just showing your interest and asking questions and being curious. Get involved, get your hands in the dirt and see where you can volunteer. But there, I don't think there's ever been a small scale farmer that doesn't want to talk to you about how you can get involved or, um, you know, answer all your questions and talk with you about the love of farming. Farmers and people who are passionate like yourself want to talk, want to share, yeah. want to sample things for kids. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Fostering that curiosity is so important. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Ava. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to My Own Two Hands, a production of the Andy Zenka Youth Empowerment Program on KDNK Community Radio. 
If you like what you heard today, please tune in on the third Wednesday of every month from 4 o'clock to 4.30 to hear more episodes like this. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.